You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Thank you. Well, good morning. Hope you had a blessed Thanksgiving, and I genuinely mean that. I hope that you were able to really let down and understand and try to comprehend how stinking blessed you are. I tell you what, I have to tell them my family. I was so proud of my family, uh, Lauren's side of the family. Uh, All of us, all of us, except of course my nephew because he hurt his knee. We went into a field and we all played football. Yes, grandma and grandpa too. Over <coughs> 70 years old. And we had a blast. And uh, I hope you did too. I hope you ate till your stomach stretched <laughs> real wide to uncomfortability. I pray that you were able to get a nap. I'm so thankful for this season because we have a choice to either slow down and enjoy the season or speed up and miss the season. I choose to slow down this season. What will you choose? Because the world around us is speeding up at an ever-increasing rate. And the enemy is turning the knobs (laughs) because he wants to distract you from slowing down. He wants to wear out the saints. And so we're going to start a Christmas series today called A Fulfilled Christmas. And bear with us, we have one projector out today, so I think it's just this one and this one, of course. A Fulfilled Christmas. This is twofold. We're going to see the next several weeks how Jesus fulfilled everything in the coming Christmas and throughout his life, his ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection. He fulfilled it all. But we're also going to look at what will allow us each to have a fulfilled Christmas and throughout the year. And that is the simplicity of Jesus. It's simple, friends. The gospel is not complicated. The life that Jesus laid out for us to live that brings abundant life, peace, joy, and all the fruits of the Spirit is plain and simple. And so in order to be fulfilled, we need to learn the simplicity of Jesus. And thirdly, we're going to see Jesus at the center, the centrality of Jesus. Jesus has to be at the center of everything in order for there to be equilibrium, health, unity, balance, if there's such a thing. And so today, we have the giant task, and so I'm going to need your help. We have the giant task of taking the eight, uh, excuse me, the nine-week Line It Up series and fulfill it all in 35 minutes or less. 
And so we're going to take literally everything, every main title and theme from the Old Testament, and we're going to look at Scripture. There's Scripture galore in here because there's nothing better that preaches than the Word. Amen? And so if you did not get... Do you guys have a, a handout, a half sheet? Wait, hold it up. Awesome. Um, Elliot, could you do me a favor? You know those uh, Christ in the Psalms books? There's two in my office. Could you get that? Excuse me for that. Thank you, Elliot. I want to welcome those on live stream as well. Thank you for joining us. I know you're probably in your PJs enjoying uh, the, the morning either away uh, or at home. So um, let's get back, back on track. If you do not have a half sheet insert, just raise your hand and Zeke will get that to you. Please bring that out. There should be pens in the row in front of you. I challenge you and encourage you to write notes. This is jam-packed. This is literally kind of like a, you remember college or high school, just a jam-packed session or lesson. This is jam-packed with Scripture. There's no way for me to really unfold, Zeke up here, uh, unfold the meanings and the backgrounds and the, the keys behind it all. So please uh, take that for your reference. Thank you, Elliot. And let's get going because we don't have much time. So this new series of Fulfilled Christmas is all about only being possible. The only way we can have a fulfilled Christmas is giving our lives to the one who fulfilled it all, brings simplicity to all, and it is the center of all. So let's open with Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bibles... This will be a fun uh, exercise for you through the series. See how fast you can turn to your scriptures. Matthew 16, verse 13 through 17 in the New Living Translation. We're going to start with this gospel encounter with the disciples because I think it's very important to lining up who Jesus is and what he did. By the way, if you ever see in the text that we're reading, because I do like for all of us to have ownership and participate in the message, so it's not just me rambling up on the stage, but you're engaging with the Holy Spirit. If you see any words um, in yellow, that means you get to say them. So speak them out loud, and uh, I'll try to facilitate that and uh, help you along. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He's not asking for his own information. He wants to know what people are saying for the disciples' sake, not his. Well, they replied, some said John the Baptist. This is, after, um, this is during the ministry of John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, Elijah's gone. And others say Jeremiah, a prophet from the Old Testament, or one other prophet. Then Jesus said, okay, that's great. But who do you say that I am? This is important because these disciples have been with him every waking minute for almost three years. I think if you are with someone, married couples, for three years, almost every waking minute, you work together, that you're going to know this person pretty well in and out. And he says this, so who 
do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, who we know is a loose cannon a lot of times, but he gets it right this time. He gets it right because he's listening to the Holy Spirit and not putting his foot in his mouth. He says, you are the Messiah. Now stop there. What is the Messiah? The Greek meaning of Messiah, and, or excuse me, the Hebrew meaning of Messiah is anointed one by God. Perfect. Anointed means set apart. He's chosen. He's chosen by God. He's the chosen one. In the Greek, it's the long-awaited Savior. The long-awaited Savior. Stick with me, guys. Jesus replied, Simon, you are blessed. Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. So this kind of gives us a little bit of a glimpse of who the Father and the Holy Spirit see Jesus as. Do you remember the story when Jesus comes walking down the mountainside and John the Baptist is baptizing people in repentance and he sees Jesus? And John was prophesied that he would be the forerunner and prepare the way for Jesus the Messiah. And he sees Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sins of the world. And after an encounter with John the Baptist and Jesus, Jesus is baptized by John. And when Jesus comes up out of the water, the skies split open and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form like a dove. Not a dove. The Holy Spirit's not a dove. Came in the form like a dove and rested on Jesus. And the voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Messiah. And this is what Peter is computing and lining up. You are Him. Jesus wants us all to answer the question, who is Jesus to you? Who is He? Because who He is in your life will determine how you walk with Him and live life with Him. Let's pray. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, just as You revealed to Peter and all the disciples of who You are, would You reveal Yourself to us today through the power of Your inspired, infallible Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power who rose Jesus from the dead, and the same power that lives in everyone who identifies their life with Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's get going. Let's run through this. I'm going to blitz, so write notes.
and let's go. So the first part of the Line It Up series was all about creation. Here's the thing. Where was Jesus in creation? Many other religions will tell you different things. Jesus is the creator of all things. He is not created. He is in the Godhead. He is the Son, the God, the Son. Jesus is the creator. Let's look at Colossians 1. This is the most distinct scripture in the New Testament that clarifies Jesus as the creator of all things. Let's do this. Ready? Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. Now, there are different religions like Mormonism that believes that Jesus is a prophet and that he was created. No, 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 that's not what the Bible's saying. The Bible says he's before all creation. He is not a created being. He's the one who created all things. Let's continue to read. And is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Ready? Let's try that again. Ready? Everything was created through him and for him. Keep going. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Friends, before Adam and Eve, Friends, before the waters and the land. Friends, before the light and the darkness. Before animals, before all creatures, before Adam and Eve, Jesus was. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was on his throne. And he created all things. And he holds, Jesus holds all things things together. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he the creator of all things? The creator of all things. The second, God's plan from the beginning. Do you know that God did not have a plan B? Noah was not his plan B. Jesus was not his plan B. He knew the fall of man was coming. He knew what Satan would do. He allowed it. Jesus was God's plan A from the beginning. Let's look at Scripture to affirm and confirm that. Go to 1 Peter 1. It will be on the screen. 1 Peter 1. Verses 18 through 20. Here we go. Now, there's a little bit of words in yellow, so you know your part, right? For you know that God paid a ransom to save you. That's plan A, Jesus. Ransom means he bought you back. It costed him to pay your ransom for freedom. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you for the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Empty life means sin, nature, death separation from God because of Adam and Eve. Okay? 
and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. I'm going to read that again. Let's get this in our heads. God chose him as your ransom long But now, in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Friends, Revelation, it's not on the screen, so write this down if it's not uh, on your notes. Revelation 13, verse 8, says that Jesus, who is now on the throne, it refers to him as being the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Other translation says the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. This tells us that even before Jesus created the foundations of the world, he was going to die on the cross for us. It was already paid. He just didn't fulfill it in the flesh yet. John chapter 1 in the Gospels, says, and the Word became flesh. The Word, meaning the Messiah, the Son of God. He is the Word. He is the truth. And dwelt among us. This was the plan A from the beginning. Don't believe me, let's look at Genesis 3. Let's go back to the fall where it looked like everything came to a crashing end. And man and woman and Satan spit in God's face. But we all know that God is sovereign and in control. Look at this. This truly is unbelievable when you allow your mind to see that the cross of Jesus Christ was part of Genesis. This is the very first gospel moment we see in the Old Testament. Can I just say this, and I'm not trying to start an argument. I understand we all have different backgrounds and different denominations and different doctrinal beliefs. But there is a movement out there, and it's existed for quite some time, probably throughout our generations, a movement that says because Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament and started a new covenant with His grace that the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore. The Old Testament is invalid and void. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because if you read the Old Testament like we did the last nine weeks, this is the gospel of Jesus. It all points to Jesus. Jesus fulfilled it all. That means that we don't have to always be perfect to the law that was the standard that only Jesus filled. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But I just wanted to touch on that because I I hear a lot on YouTube and even from people talking about the Old Testament, we 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 don't go there anymore. It's all the New Testament. No, the Old Testament shows us the beauty and the good news of the the New Testament fulfilled through Jesus. Genesis 3. The Lord says to the serpent, Satan took the form of a snake. 
a serpent. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you should go, shall go in dust. You shall eat all the days of your life. By the way, dust represents life and death. So he brought death, he will eat death. Catch that? I will put enmity between you and the woman. We see that even today. The offspring of Adam and Eve, which is all generation, will be at odds, complete odds against the enemy and all of his offspring, the demons, and all principalities of darkness. We live that today because of the fall. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the very first reference to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's break this down so we can understand this a little bit more fully. The first half of this line, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, is really setting the stage for a Savior. Then the second half gives two prophecies of Jesus, the Messiah. Two prophecies. The first one is that the Messiah will bruise or crush the enemy's head. The second prophecy is that the enemy, Satan, will bruise or crush Jesus' heel. Now let me ask you, any common sense person, what is more of a fatal blow? To the heel or to the head? Hunters that might be in your deer stand listening to me right now, what is a more fatal blow? To the heel or to the head? To the head. And Jesus is prophesied to crush the head of the serpent. Now let's break this down just one other step. So what we see in prophecy, God speaking to the serpent, Adam and Eve witnessing this, the serpent strikes the Messiah's heel is a picture of the wounding and the death of Jesus on the cross. But here's the beautiful gospel message. That venom that got Jesus to the cross and dying on the cross only lasted less than three days. Because in three days, Jesus rose defeating hell, death, and the grave. He's like, you can bite my heel all you want. Here's my foot in your face. <laughs> and when Jesus said it is finished, and he took his last breath, that is when he stomped on the serpent's head. Yes, the serpent's still alive and still active in this world, but he is defeated, friends. He's completely defeated. Yeah, you can clap for that. What does this apply to you? I, I don't know you personally, and I don't know your struggles personally. But I know me. 
And if you're anything like me, sometimes Satan backs you in a corner. And he reminds you of all your past sin. And he sinks his ugly fangs into your mind that you're a failure. That you will be alone the rest of your life. That you are worthless. You're helpless. You're unworthy of love. You're unworthy of forgiveness. And then that leads you, that venom pours through your body and leads you into regret, doubt, fear, and unbelief. If you ever get to that place again, I want you to remember this moment. And I want you to stop. And I want you to remind the serpent. I want you to remind Satan he's defeated. He has no power over you. He is defeated. Come on, let's, let's, let's applaud that. He's completely defeated. He is powerless. And yet he wears us down. Why? Because we forget. Let's start reminding ourselves and reminding Satan he's defeated. So this passage in Genesis 3, all about God's plan A, is pointing to the promise of Jesus' birth, his life, sinless life, his redemption, and his victory over Satan. That is the plan A from the beginning, which leads us right in to the promise. The promise that God gave to Abraham. He was promising Jesus, the Messiah. All through the Old Testament, we see Jesus come up over and over and over. Not his name, but the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior. So let's look at the promises that we see in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to start with verse 2, and then we're going to skip ahead to verse 6 and 7. I'm going fast. Is that okay? Okay. The people who walked in darkness, hundreds of years in darkness and silence between God and man, they have seen a great light. This is a prophecy about Jesus' birth. Hundreds of years before the birth actually happened. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Aren't you thankful that in your darkest point of life, God's light came piercing in? That is God's goodness. Verse 6. Ready? For to us a child is born, everyone. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name Wonderful, mighty God, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and of the peace, there will be no end. It's not talking about just in this kingdom. It's talking about the earth and the heavens. They may pass away, but there will be no end of the kingdom of God. On the throne of David, remember King David in the Psalms, and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of the host will do this. This was prophesied. And so then we see, we fast forward to Luke. One of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We see Luke chapter 1. 
Verse 30. So fast forward hundreds of years from that prophecy in Isaiah 9 and watch it come to pass. The angel Gabriel stood before Mary and he said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Let's do this together. Ready? And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom. That is who the prophecies and the angel Gabriel said Jesus was. Who is Jesus to you? Is he the promised Messiah? Is he the promised one for your salvation? We go to the next. The Passover lamb. The Passover lamb. This was one of the most beautiful, I think, powerful messages throughout the series when we could literally see the blood over the doorposts of the homes where the death angel passed over any home that was covered with the blood. This was pointing to Jesus, the Messiah. Isaiah 53, oh, excuse me, forgive me, Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7, verse 26 through 27. Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7, by the way, can be a challenging chapter because it talks a lot about priesthood and all this stuff, but it's so important to understand the prophecies and the fulfillment of, that Jesus was required to fulfill. He is the king. He is the king. He is the king. He is the kind of high priest we need. Remember, in the temple, there was a high priest. Only the high priest could go into the most holy place, the presence of God. This is pointing to the Messiah, the Son of God, the high priest, the only one able to fully bring us into the presence of God. Because he is holy and blameless and unstained by sin, we need to understand he is divine God-man. This is not just another human. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin Mary. This is the Son of God. He was man, full in the flesh, but fully God. We have to know that. We have to understand that, or else Scripture makes no sense. He, let's read this together, ready? He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. Imagine that. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. Here we go. Ready? But Jesus did this once for all. Isaiah 53 tells you that he was despised and rejected by man. Nonetheless, he took on your sin and my sin. He was pierced for your sin. 
He was crushed. Remember, the enemy would crush his heel. He was crushed for our transgression. And by his wounds, the stripes on his back, we are made whole. Thank you, Jesus. Who is he to you? Is he the one, the only one, who can save you from death? Is he the only one that has paid the price to forgive your sins and mine? Is he the only one that has conquered death, hell, and the grave and will give you life after this life? Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. It's powerful. Let's look at number five. He fulfilled the entire law. I need to get moving. The entire law. He's the only one to ever fulfill every point iota of the entire law. Now, I'm not going to cover much on this, okay? So we can do some more homework, and uh, we might touch on this in the coming uh, Sunday Bible studies, which I'll mention in just a minute. So Hebrews 7, 11. Remember 7, 11, by the way? Slurpees? Okay, anyways, let's keep going. Squirrel! So if the priesthood of Levi, okay, Levi, sons of Aaron, okay, they were the only ones out of the 12 tribes of Israel. The tribe of Levi were priests. No one else could be priests. What tribe did Jesus come from? Not Levi, Judah. So how can Jesus be a high priest if he's not of Levi? Well, that's a good question. Let's go to Scripture. On which the law was based could have achieved the perfection of God. So if the priesthood of Levi on which the law was based, could be achieved, could achieve the perfection of God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron? Melchizedek was a priest that was in the persona of Jesus Christ. He set the tone and he prepared the way for Jesus. 7-11, let's go to verse 18. Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak, meaning no man, even the priest of Levi, could fulfill the standard of the law. Are you with me? For the law never made anything perfect. But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this about Christ fulfilling the law. Let's read it together. Go for God. He is our high priest. He is our mediator. He is our go-to. He is our only way, our only truth, and our only life. Jesus is it. Who is Jesus to you? Did he fulfill it all for you? Did he do what you could never do and paid the price to give you grace, to give you life, to give you forgiveness, and to set you apart as God's? The next, number six, 
He is our only access into the kingdom of God. We talked about the kingdom of God. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of man that will never ever stand. It will always fail. And the kingdom of God that will never ever fail, it will always stand. What kingdom will you align to? What kingdom you align to will be determined by who is your king. Who is your king? Is it King Jesus? Or is it the things of this world that will fall and fail and all come to nothing? Mark chapter 1, verse 14. We see this after the baptism, the confirmation from God and the Holy Spirit, the wilderness, Him defeating the temptation of Satan and then coming out of the wilderness in the power of the, power of the Holy Spirit. Mark 1.14, Jesus says this, Now after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, saying this, The time and the kingdom of God is at hand. Everyone, repent and believe in the gospel. Hebrews 10, verse 19 through 21 says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, since we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place, He is the high priest. Because of the blood of Jesus, ready? By His death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into... Amen. Let's see one more confirmation that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life to the kingdom of God. It's in Revelation 11:15. Then the seventh angel blew the trumpet, and there was a loud, were loud voices. Can we try to match that? <laughs> loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right? Is Jesus your way, your truth, and your life? If not, friends, you have a huge decision to make. Because the word of God tells us that if you do not make Jesus your Lord... You will be living for the kingdom of this world. And this kingdom of this world will come under the wrath and justice of God once and for all. But those who trust in Jesus will live forever. We're getting close. Number seven, the curtain torn. Jesus is the curtain. His body was the curtain that was represented in the temple that separated us from God. He was torn into two. And then the physical, after Jesus took his last breath, committed his spirit to God and died, that physical curtain in the temple which separated God from the people and only the high priest could go into the presence of God on behalf of the people. That curtain was torn in two. Let's read John 4. John 4. There's two scriptures here. 
Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Let's read together. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Jesus is referring to the curtain being torn to where we will be able to enter into the most holy place and the presence of God will now dwell in the temples, meaning you and me. That's where now we can worship through spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit that gives us life and truth which has been given through the word of God. The next passage. Thanks for sticking with me. We're almost done. We have a couple more. Matthew 27, verse 50 to 52. Look at this. Jesus shouted again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. Did you know that? And then lastly, Jesus, not lastly, but of this section. Did Jesus, did his death on the cross, did he die in vain for you? Or have you received it and allowed the full presence of God to make you new and to dwell in you? Yes. That changes everything, friends. Number eight. We got two more. The Psalms. Well, what does the Psalms have to do with Jesus? So much. We have no idea. L listen to this quote by Michael Morales. Listen, listen to this. This is amazing. The New Testament continually uses the book of Psalms to fix our gaze upon the excellencies of Christ, upon the majesty and beauty of the glory of the one who through his humiliation and exaltation reigns over the nations, leading them to the heavenly Mount Zion so that lost in wonder, love and praise, they may proclaim eternally the glory of the triune God. Jesus is mentioned all through the Psalms, and so much of it is prophetic pointing to Jesus. Not only do the Psalms help shape our response to God, there's that blank there for you, response to God, because worship is responding to God in the trials and joys of life, but they also reveal, they reveal to us something of the inner life of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, I'm running out of time, so we don't have time to go into that, but I'm excited to announce starting next Sunday, our Sunday Bible study is still going through December and January. Anyone excited about that? At 9 a.m., if you have not joined us, will you join us? Will you grow? just take another 45 minutes to grow deeper? This is called Christ in the Psalms. It is a basic Bible study for everyone, and it's, it's going to take us through the different areas where we see Christ in the Psalms. Can I just see hands of two people who currently go to Bible study regularly? I see Annette and Dolly. Here you guys go. Here's your books. You don't have to buy one, so here you go. So this is so important. 
So important. Christ is in the Psalms and we see so much in the New Testament that comes out of Psalms. So Christ in the book of Psalms. So join us Sunday morning starting next week. Lastly, wow, we made it, guys. We made it. The exile. Elliot, you delivered a message last week that was so powerful to our hearts. If you weren't here, please download it. Listen to it. It was so powerful. And he talked about exile. And so I'm just going to give you two scriptures on our exile. The point here of how Jesus fulfilled this is he is our only hope for life now and forevermore. So I want to give us Corinthians real quick. Because we need to understand that even though we are filled with the presence of God, we have been given new life. The kingdom of God flows in and through us. We still live in a dying, cursed, broken world with dying, broken bodies. This is not our home. We are living for another home. We are still, just like the Israelites, we are in exile. We have hope, and we have the Holy Spirit, and we have Jesus with us. But we are still in exile, waiting for that home. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 5. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not home with the Lord. For we live by believing. You believe that? Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. There will be one day when He calls us home. Let's look at Revelation 21. I can't wait for this day. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my family and I love the life that God's given us here. But we have no stinking clue. We can't even grasp our eyes on what is to come in the fullness and the glory and the abundant rich life we're missing out on right now. But through the Holy Spirit, because what Jesus has done, we can begin to live that out right now. So look at this. Revelation 21. You ready? It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, uh, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death and their sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And then he said to me, write these down. All things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, here we go, it is finished. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Stand, band, come on up. Stand, everyone, to your feet. Everyone to your feet. 
everyone to your feet. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to acknowledge God. I want you to acknowledge Jesus specifically. In your own words, verbally or inwardly. Is Jesus the creator of everything? The creator and sustainer. Is Jesus God's plan A for your life and all time? Is Jesus God's promise to the world that He loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not die but will live forevermore? Is that the Jesus you know? Is Jesus the Passover Lamb, the one who gave His life for you, shed His blood and died once and for all for your sins? Is Jesus the one in your mind that fulfilled all the standards and the law that God put in front of us? Did God fulfill it all through His Son, Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father? Do you believe that Jesus is the truth, the only truth? And do you believe that He is the only way to the kingdom of God? Do you believe that His body on the cross was the curtain that was torn in two that He reconciled through His death. He reconciled us to the love and the mercies of God. If you believe that, say yes. yes. So Father, right now we receive in this moment, You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are the great I Am. You are the Lamb of God. You are the Lion of Judah. You are the soon coming King. And You will reign on Your throne forever and ever and ever and evermore. We worship you this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.